0: Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for September 26, 2017. Back to a full slate, back to more garbage games of baseball because there isn't a crazy value spot like the Mariners from last night. But with that said, there's probably going to be some value that opens up on pitchers because there's so many teams that are just playing shitty lineups at this point in the season. Like, I mean, we saw it tonight with the Nationals where they're just sitting a lot of guys I think that there's other teams that could potentially be clinching playoff spots tonight or be close to clinching playoff spots, so that could lead to people being rested and then just other teams that are way out of the playoff race that don't have incentive to play veterans at this point in the season. So with that said, I think a lot of people are going to recommend, particularly the pitchers, probably would end up changing by tomorrow just because there's going to be guys who are just facing much different lineups than we could predict this far out in advance with that said, Chris Sale at 13,400, it's hard for me to not think of him as the best pitcher play on the slate, uh, really regardless of who the Blue Jays play, because the Blue Jays don't have a great offense, and Sale is probably the best pitcher in baseball right now. I put Sale even above Kershaw right now just because of how well Sale's pitched this season. So for that reason, Chris Sale at home, 13,400 against the Blue Jays. I still think he's the best pitching option on the slate and could be better if the Blue Jays end up resting guys like Donaldson or Bautista tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I also think that Robbie Ray could potentially be usable. Uh, I think both of the teams that these guys are facing could potentially rest players. So the Blue Jays did really well against Drew Pomerantz tonight. They scored five runs in the first two innings. The Giants are doing really well against Zach Godley, so it could keep the ownership of those pitchers down just because the offenses they're going against did well against them the previous day. As far as expected output, though, I definitely agree with you that Sale is the best pitcher. Uh, Not sure if he's better than Kershaw, but at least with the injury struggles that Kershaw's had with the back injury, his velocity, I think, is all the way back up now, but he may not be entirely at full strength. They've been really close this year, but... At the very least, Sale is one of the three best pitchers in baseball. You could definitely make the case he's the best DFS pitcher because he gets more strikeouts than Kershaw does. And like you said, I think there is a decent chance the Blue Jays rest some guys because they are out of the playoff race. They played a full lineup on Monday night. I don't think Josh Donaldson has rested in a while. Kendris Morales rests semi-regularly, and Justin Smoke has missed a few games too. So I would think... At, at least one guy that's one of the key guys in their lineup will be out, but it could be several more. But Sale's the best guy regardless. So I like Sale. I think Ray is decent if, let's say, Buster Posey rests. But if we're just talking uh, against a full lineup, Sale versus Ray, I think it's got to be Sale.
0: So the other guy who I think is fairly likely to see a rested lineup is Carlos Martinez at 9,100 at home against the Cubs. So... A lot of people are going to be scared off the Cubs just because Weaver was such a popular pitching choice tonight, and he got blasted by the Cubs. So I think a lot of people are going to look at that and just say, like, hey, I used a Cardinals pitcher against the Cubs last night. It didn't go well. I'm not going near Carlos Martinez. But the Cubs are six games up in the division over the Brewers with six games left to play. So this could be where they start resting guys for the playoffs. It's not a guarantee. Uh, it, I'm not totally sure what the tiebreak scenarios. So the Cubs could have clinched the division tonight.
1: They, they didn't. Um, uh, it's the magic number was two before tonight's game and the brewers were off. So they, I think I'll, I'll cut you off here. Cause I kind of disagree that the Cubs are going to be resting guys. I probably like Carlos Martinez anyway, but the Cubs with one game left to clinch the spot, I think will probably use their starters and wait till they've actually clinched it before they rest them.
0: Yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, so I'll back off that a little bit. Maybe they aren't very likely to rest guys. Um, so I'll just move on from from Martinez. Um, I still think it's an okay spot either way because I'm at 9,100. He's still overall been very good on the year. He started the year really good. He had a little bit of a lull in the middle, but he's been good again for the last month and a half or so. So I don't think he's a bad play at 9,100, but I, I'd much prefer to just go up to sale if the Cubs are playing a full lineup. And I think you've just kind of sold me on them playing – the regular guys are not resting anybody. So, Good yeah, to uh, with with that logic, I'm probably off Carlos Martinez. Uh, the other guy who I think is worth mentioning, James Paxton at 7,600. His velocity was back up in his last start. This is just really contingent on what is his pitch count going to look like. So we don't know how many pitches he's going to be allowed to throw. He threw 50 in his first outing. I think he was around 75 in his next outing. If they let him go 90-plus, Oakland's been one of the worst teams in baseball against left-handed pitching this year. They also strike out a ton against lefties. In addition to that, Matt Olson is looking like he's out. He's likely out for the rest of the season, which is a big deal because he's been by far their best hitter this year. So that's a really big upgrade for Paxton. And so the really big thing we have to monitor with him is just how many pitches are the Mariners going to let him pitch.
1: Yeah, I think Paxton actually could potentially be my favorite pitcher if we're certain that he's not restricted. It is encouraging that the velocity is back up, and Paxton was one of the best pitchers in baseball for most of the year when he was throwing at his normal velocity when he was at full health. Uh, the A's offense against lefties isn't very good, and without Matt Olson, who is a lefty, I still think it matters a lot, because Matt Olson has just been unbelievable against both lefties and righties for the second half of the season, which is all that he's played. So not having Olsen hurts the A's a lot, and Paxton's just a really good pitcher. The A's strike out a ton. There is a little bit of risk with home run upside, but it is a pitcher's park in Oakland, too, so... Everything sets up perfectly for Paxton if he's not restricted, so that's just something we're going to have to monitor. And I think there are a, a couple other guys in that price range, and one that's actually a decent amount cheaper that are also in play. Kevin Gausman against the Pirates, I think, is usable. It's a pretty big park upgrade. We'll downgrade for hitters for Gausman going from from Baltimore to Pittsburgh. The Pirates' offense has been pretty bad for most of the season, especially in recent games. And Gaussman has also been better himself in the second half of the year. So I think Gaussman's in play. And then the guy that will probably roster the most is a lot cheaper, and that's Rafael Montero against the Braves. He's just really underpriced for a guy with the strikeout upside that he has. Uh, I think Montero's averaging about 9Ks per nine, uh, just under 9Ks per nine for the season. The walks are in the high fours, though. So there's a lot of risk there, but... Montero has a lot of upside, and at his price with the expensive offenses that I think you need to use, because the expensive teams are in by far the best spots, there's not really a cheap offense that is really good value at all, so if you're going to save money at pitching, especially if you're using sale, and you need a second pitcher that's cheap, I think Montero makes a lot of sense, even though he's not a particularly good real-life pitcher.
0: Now, 5.3 ERA for Montero on the air, he does a 4.26 FIP, so... He has pitched much better than what his ERA suggests. But like you said, I mean, almost a strikeout per inning. For somebody who's only 5,700, that's a lot of upside. And we've seen it for Montero this year. He's had games where he scored 20 to 30 fantasy points. Just the issue is that he has those games where he just gets totally blown up and he looks like shit and he ends up with negative fantasy points. But for a GPP, that's kind of perfect. That's what you look for because the players are priced on the large part due to their average production. So somebody who's kind of alternating like 20 point games with negative point games that gets priced in between, that's kind of perfect for a large field tournament. And you just hope that he has one of the good games and not one of the shit games, which kind of goes without saying, you don't want to roster somebody (laughs) who sucks, but he's just because of the way he pitches, he profiles really well for GPPs. So are there any other pitchers that you are interested in for uh, the slate? No, there's a lot of
1: bad ones. So I guess let's jump to offenses so we can talk about targeting players against them.
0: Sure. So to me, my favorite offense is going to be the Arizona Diamondbacks at home against Matt Moore. The question here for them also is who's going to play? They literally sat every single one of their starters tonight. They played none of their regular starters. One through nine, they rested everybody, or one through eight, because it's a National League game, they rested everybody. So assuming that everybody's back for tomorrow's game, that's such a good spot against Matt Moore because he's not a good pitcher, and he's been making a lot of his starts at home at AT&T Park, which is as pitcher-friendly a park could possibly be. And then you go into Chase Field, which is probably the second most favorable hitter's park, behind just Coors Field. So just that park change for Matt Moore is such a big downgrade. And then also the, the Dimebacks just have one of the better offenses in baseball since acquiring J.D. Martinez. So really good spot for them. I think they have the highest expected run output of any team on the slate.
1: Yeah, I do like the Diamondbacks. I don't think I'll say they have the highest expected run output because there is a game at Coors Field. Outside of that game, I would definitely agree it's the Diamondbacks, but I think you still have to say it's the Rockies against Jose Urania. they They're not as good of an offense as Arizona, I guess not even close, but is pretty bad too, and I think his ERA still pretty far exceeds his peripherals. I'm pulling up his stats now, but I think he's kind of regressed in his ERA recently. Uh, He actually hasn't at all. So 355 ERA for Urania, 5 FIP, and 523 XFIP. He's benefited from a really low BABIP at 243. His left-on-base percentage is 79.6. Even if he is a decent contact manager, which I won't even say he is, uh, I guess it's possible, that doesn't really work in Coors Field because the outfield is incredibly spacious. So a lot of home-run friendly environments will be not that friendly to line drives because the reason that they're so good for homers is because the fences are short. And that means that line drives get caught more often than not. The only stadium in baseball that is plus park factor in homers, triples, double singles, basically any hit type is course field because of the air. The air is the reason the ball is carrying. So the, the outfield is big. The fences actually aren't that in. It's a pretty deep outfield and the ball just goes over the fence anyway. Uh, so it's really hard to pitch there. I mean, we, we know that I'm just giving a little bit more background information on it because I think people forget sometimes that it's not just easier to hit home runs in Colorado. It's easier to hit everything. And Urania puts the ball in play a ton. His strikeout rate is only six per nine. He's, he doesn't have good control at all. His walks are over three per nine. So I think you can probably argue he's one of the worst pitchers in baseball, even though his ERA is in the mid threes. I'm not sure if that'll suppress the Rockies ownership that much, but I think, I'll call them my favorite offense above Arizona after looking at this more just because I didn't realize how bad Urania's been, and he's probably on the same level as Matt Moore, but the park factor is just a big difference here.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Chase Field is still, I mean, we're kind of splitting hairs because I think it's a great spot for the Rockies too. I think that the park difference between Chase Field and Coors Field is not as big as the gap between the Dinebacks offense and the Rockies offense. So that's basically what leads me to lean a little bit more towards the Diamondbacks. And then also the Diamondbacks are just a lot cheaper than the Rockies.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I don't think that the gap is, I think the gap between the offenses is smaller than the park difference, but we definitely are splitting hairs there and they are a little bit cheaper. I don't know. We both like both offenses. I think that they're the two best spots on the slate and I think that because we're probably going to go semi-cheap at pitching, there's not really another offense that stands out. I think most of the stacks would be just of these two
0: teams. Let's see. I mean, there's some other really strong spots. We've got the Indians are at home against Bartolo Colon. That's another spot where the Indians don't have a lot to play for at this point of the season. So that seems like a likely rest spot. The other offense that I definitely think is worth talking about, though, is the Angels in Chicago against Chris Volstad. The Angels are really cheap, so that's just a spot to me where I like Cole Calhoun's 3400, Mike Trout still only at 5300, price hasn't changed much from yesterday. So that that's another really strong spot for me. So I think due to what their price is, I think the three teams that I'd really want to roster from a DFS perspective is the Diamondbacks, the Rockies and the Angels.
1: Yeah, I like the Angels a lot, too, actually. I forgot we talked about them before the podcast, and uh, I was looking up Chris Volstad's numbers, so I'll give you them now because they're pretty bad, and I think anyone who played five days ago and stacked the Astros against Carson Fulmer will remember Volstad because Fulmer got injured three batters into the game, and the Astros had runners on first and second, one out after two consecutive walks. Volstad came in and got a double play against Correa and then managed to only give up one run over the next four innings. So it might seem like Volstad's a decent pitcher. His ERA for the season is 108 after that appearance and then three other short relief appearances. But Volstad is a 31-year-old who's been in the minor leagues for most of his career. He's basically just been up and down from the majors to the minors every year. I guess he gets called up in September a lot. And he's he's a really bad pitcher. First career, he's averaging 5.63 Ks per nine, 3.13 walks per nine. He does get a decent amount of grounders, but he's still sort of His expected ERA is probably around five. I mean, it's a little lower than that for his career number at 488, but he's not young anymore. This isn't a prospect who could have some upside and we just don't know a lot about him. This is a veteran who's just, he has a long track record of being bad. And uh, as always, we'll have to monitor the wind in Chicago to see just how good of a spot this is. But I think that that's definitely fair. The Angels are in consideration for the best offense with the Diamondbacks and Rockies, and they are cheaper than both of those teams. So if you wanted to use a more expensive pitching combo, I think using the Angels is justified, unless, of course, the wind is strongly blowing in, which we don't know yet and we'll have to monitor throughout the
0: day on Tuesday. So do you have anything else to add for this slate? Because I think that pretty much covers everything I wanted to mention.
1: Yeah, I think that'll do it. I'll throw out that the Rangers are really cheap against Dallas Keuchel. I think they could make some sense for plugs just because they're all 4,200 or less. And Keuchel hasn't been nearly as good this season as he was in previous seasons. So he might be getting by on reputation more than actual ability. And with the game being played in Texas, there's always upside for the Rangers offense. So that probably is a more low-owned spot to take a flyer on. But I think for the most part, it's just those top three.
0: Okay, so that is going to wrap up today's podcast. Uh, Matt is going to have some editing work to do because we had horrible audio issues that (laughs) nobody will probably know about by the time we actually start. Yeah, stop talking
1: so I can go and fix them because I'm going to be doing this the entire night.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for whatever reason, just my voice just kept repeating and then one of my headphones exploded, which (laughs) I don't know how that happened, but I think that affected some audio issues. But for whatever reason, that was just crappy tonight, so... Hopefully that'll work better tomorrow and I'll get new headphones. You can follow me on Twitter at GerenbergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense, and we'll be back tomorrow.